2: Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast. Why do they call me Nomad? Well, I traveled the globe spreading the joy of music one song at a time. And now I bring you wisdom, tried and true knowledge, and life experiences of my colleagues and peers in this crazy business we call music. In today's episode, we have Dave Hooper, Los Angeles-based session and touring drummer extraordinaire.
0: This is the Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad.
2: Larry Graham from Graham Central Station, Lee Hour, The Rippingtons, Shaka Khan, Tony Braxton, Sheryl Crow, and the list goes on and on. Actually, Dave and I worked together with Donnie Osmond. That's right. Puppy love, baby. Anyway, Hoop, as I refer to him so dearly, is the man. I love his style of drumming. He's efficient, he's tasteful, he's soulful, he's spot on. And you know what? As a musician, as a sideman, quote unquote, a career musician, he is always prepared. And that is the key to the gig, ladies and gentlemen. But we also discuss his brand new website called possiblechops.com. He is burning it up. And remember, it's vital to always be prepared for the unexpected. Dave Hooper, drummer to the stars and beyond. Well, thank you for having me. I creator, absolutely, creator of possiblechops.com. Mm-hmm. Father and husband, uh-huh. you know, all these great things. So, yes, welcome.
0: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm, you know, we're old friends and, uh, yeah. you know, I love your podcast, so I'm... excited to be on it thank you man thank you
2: so so dave and i were just sitting here talking about you know possible chops right and the the website build and and how it's almost like an arduous task to take these things on and and as musicians we're always looking for uh, other sources of income right and you said hey you know what i believe and i'll let you take the ball you were talking about the niche and you were saying it is a niche market again Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like there's the market saturation with everything else. So yeah. talk a little bit about that, and then and then we're going to go back and talk about your history and
0: stuff. Yeah, well, uh, I have noticed that the Internet being what it is, and it just gets bigger and bigger every year, and there's more and more musicians offering music lessons online on every instrument, and in, uh, primarily the long-form lessons, you know, where you see the guy on camera talking into the camera, <laughs> uncomfortably so much much of the time, uh, trying to explain what they're doing. And uh, I had had this idea with my childhood friend, Gary Novak, and we were talking about how you add new ideas to your playing. And most of the time, and I'm sure it's true on all instruments and so you can speak to guitar, it's easy to get new ideas from other players. If you're in the same room with them and they play something cool, you have an opportunity to say, okay, stop. That was neat. (laughs) Show, you know, show me that. Right. Uh, I want to learn that. I want to absorb that into my playing. And so Possible Chops was born from that idea um, because drummers absolutely get together and jam and it's loud and kind of obnoxious with having two drummers, you know, in the same room, but <laughs> have them play, it's even more so, but, so that's where it came from, and uh, I know you're doing lessons as well, and it's interesting to study the internet and people's attention span, and I'm not the young guy anymore, but I right. do see attention spans get shorter and shorter, sure. Yes. and uh, this idea of getting somebody to sit with you for 30 minutes and actually pay attention <laughs> for 30 minutes... <laughs> Um, seems It's tough almost now.
2: archaic. It's almost an archaic business model, wouldn't you think? I you, you I do. Agree? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think
0: um, you know. So many kids are learning to do everything on YouTube. Yeah. You know, I, right. I, and I gotta say, I'm guilty of it too. You know, even with everyday things. You yes. Know? I got to fix something in my house. I'm like, well, let me just get on YouTube. And, right. You know, but uh, I'm at the point <laughs> when I watch
2: YouTube tutorials, I get so impatient with the person teaching. I'm like. Don't say hello. Just get to the point.
0: Well, I would say that's yeah, the that, point that of is. Possible Chops is we just, all we're doing is hammer and nails. That's, there's no, hi, welcome and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's. My name is Dave. Okay. Well, okay. that
2: is our <laughs> intro. Possiblechops.com. Yeah. Uh, we're going to close with that and we're going to talk yeah, yeah. about the particulars and the logistics and details and whatnot. But, Hoop, growing up, you have a good story that you've told. I do, uh, yeah. Around, uh, many around tables with uh, libations in hand. We're starting with your
0: history. So okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, I'll try to sound uh, embarrassed by this, but actually I'm sort of proud of it. So my father, uh, he when we lived in Chicago, he wrote jingles and uh, he wrote pretty much every jingle. He was a pretty prolific guy. And uh, when I was a kid, he was doing all the Jolly Green Giant commercials and they needed a kid to voice the little green sprout. And so, being the composer's son, you know, I was sort of the first call. <laughs> so I started my music career as the voice of the animated character, the Little Green Sprout.
2: All right, if I do the Jolly Green Giant voice, will you do the, <laughs> the Little
0: Green Sprout? I'll get you the jingle, and you can intercut it into the oh, podcast. If you can, so send it me that. sounds like this. Da-
1: In the valley of the jolly
0: giant Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that I got the gig because I was great at voiceovers or even as a singer. It was, you know, it was who you know, which is (laughs) is a topic that, like, really comes up, I think, in your podcast and many others to be a career musician. Like, who you know is important. So... That's right. right. You know, that my dad was a composer, that was easy and some lovely nepotism for me, but... Uh, but then through that, I, I sang on jingles as a kid and there's So not you
2: did, you turned it into a little bit of a career then.
0: Yeah. So my, well, my parents put all the money away and it did pay my way through college. So. It, so it
2: went into a Coogan account?
0: <clears throat> yeah. Wow.
2: I was just going to ask you Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but well, so then,
0: amazing. uh, my voice changed and, uh, singing was not. Uh, what I was going to do. And my dad uh, was a pianist and somebody from the high school came with drums and uh, that was it. I was like, oh, I think that's what I want to do. And so my dad got me a drum set and we started jamming. So that was the beginning of my drumming, just jamming with my dad on piano. And wow. he was good. He would, he would play in phrases and he would repeat things along the way and you would develop your ear, which I think is hugely important, especially yeah. for drummers, to listen to what's going on and try to remember patterns when they come back around and drumming is a lot of patterns a That's lot of math pattern, a lot of yes, yes. um a lot a lot of things like that and and i do owe so much of the beginnings to my dad with that and then that uh progressed into high school and then he started using me on jingles and i started just playing wow. um you know it was everything from coca-cola to carls jr to budweiser to honda like he's he did everything it was pretty pretty incredible so while
2: you're in high school and then i guess even some of your college years you're earning money as a session player yeah for big national jingles yeah that's huge yeah so i mean literally because the average teenager aspiring who's an aspiring professional musician that that's like the dream if you could get those gigs like That was handed, I mean, I'm not trying to belittle it, but it was was handed to you on your lap, you know, in your lap. It was because of who your father was. So just talk about that. Was that surreal? Did you have (laughs) other peers and and, and musician friends who were jealous of that? Yeah. How did that, you know?
0: I I will say it's a bit of a double-edged sword. uh, So there's a lot good for me in all of that, obviously, because that sort of nepotism of your father hiring you, being in a position to hire you, Um, Maybe the equivalent in the movie industry is if your dad's a big-time celebrity, he can throw you in his film. So, you you know, that happens, and you'll see a lot of kids of celebrities get a head start with career. So I'm grateful for that, absolutely. And when I went to college, um, most of my friends there were like, what are you doing here? I went to North Texas State, and when they were like, a, when we're done here, we're going to L.A. What are you doing here? Just You
2: already have a career. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But I wanted to go to school and learn uh, more. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, there's a lot to know. And you did graduate. <laughs> a musician. So I went for two years. Okay. I did not graduate. But, okay. But, um, okay. you know, I, I. it's funny, I tell my wife, who has a, an M.D., you know, she... <laughs> She, it took a while to kind of explain in the music industry, having a degree in music doesn't guarantee you mm. performance gigs in any way. Shape or form. And in fact, I would almost go so far as to say it would be a hindrance because college players have a stigma to them. Mm-hmm. That people think, of, oh, he's a college player, he's mm-hmm. got his bow tie on, and mm-hmm. he's kind of nerdy and stiff. He's by the book. What they want is someone who kind of came up and had a struggle and, you know, mm-hmm. really... Learned mm-hmm. uh, in a more organic way, and they've got a soul to them, right. and they're not so cerebral in their playing. Right. Uh, I, and I understand that, but uh, um, you know, whatever draws you to music, I think uh, is I think initially has to be a very visceral, heartfelt thing. I think right. you and mm-hmm. I tend to spend a lot of time in the cerebral uh, areas of the industry, yeah. playing, prepping, uh, dealing with gigs and all that stuff, which we'll get into, but, sure. um, sorry, I'm getting a little off track, no, but no, no. I, but it, it is, it was the path. And then after two years of college, I came back to LA and just, I got busy. It, it, I thankfully. Know I, was
2: say. I know. you Yeah. So, yeah. so did your dad put, as they say, put you on some dates or what? How did that happen?
0: Yeah. So, um, my dad, um, so he was writing for these TV shows like Charlie's Angels and Rhoda and Lou Grant, some of these things. And then he would get Commissioned to do orchestral arrangements for the LA Phil. He was doing some big um, Orchestra dates, you know uh, big high production jingles when that was a thing now. It's much more the home studio thing That's what the jingle industry is, but I was getting all sorts of opportunities to do things like that and then you know my I would say that my process was uh, sort of putting myself out there and I uh, was befriending other drummers and other players uh, people that I met through my dad, of course, but, you know, and then I would get opportunities to play. And my goal was always to try to do the gig better, if I could, than the regular guy. My thinking but, was, that's what's going to get, there like, wow, well... But that's, that's a normal, that's a logical train of thought, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, if you can succeed at that, it, you know, there's logic. It yeah. should work.
2: <laughs> but this, all of this explains why... <clears throat> seriously why you do epitomize what the career musician is so you're a ridiculous reader mm-hmm. so you could read fly shit literally like i've seen you do it so i think like this f- these formative years with your dad and while you're in high school yeah. in these sessions yeah and then being in north texas, texas state is known for, for being one of the best schools in the country and then also being an la session cat those three things like again yeah you already lived the lives of three successful musicians by the time you graduated college i mean in, in a sense you know what i mean well you at least had yeah three lanes of solid experience oh yeah that most cats don't <laughs> get
1: right hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds
0: Right? Yeah, that's really hard to uh, shortcut experience. You know, I like, say that
2: all the time. People ask, "Well, how do I get good? Put in the time.
0: You got to do it a lot." You know,
2: the outliers. The book yeah. is talking about ten thousand hours. It's thirty thousand. It's yeah. twenty thousand, thirty
0: thousand, yeah. forty thousand. Yeah, it's it's right. There's no other. S- so much of the wisdom of the older players, and and that's true from everyone's perspective. To us, there's a lot of older players that have wisdom oh. we have yet to gain. Yes. yes. Um, you know, going through all this stuff and the struggles and the the challenges. Um, You get better at it. The idea is you get a better handle on it. You can deal with it. There will always be hurdles. We all still deal with hurdles uh, now with our careers. But, yeah, the experience means a lot. And I would say that from the band leader's perspective, he'll get a sense that this guy's got the experience and they relax. You know, that's the... That's you. You've led bands.
2: Oh talk about that, man. Yeah. yeah. Talk about that. All right. So I'm leading a band right now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I I would say, from a from a side man's perspective, uh, one of the biggest things that you the biggest favor you can do yourself is to put yourself in the band leader's shoes as best you can. It's not easy. I mean, it's an old adage it's an yeah. old phrase you know like to the shoe on the, to the other shoe foot like yeah. like try to imagine what the band leader's going through it's his name on the marquee it's his responsibility to bring a band to the venue to put on a good show to say something not embarrassing on the mic if yeah. not uh intuitive and wonderful um you know and if the guys in the band are late or they didn't bother listening to the stuff or they they're not they don't seem into it, uh, or they, they can't fake it, or, I you know, all the things that would lead the band leader to be uncomfortable up there. Um, if you just imagine what that experience is like, and then when the next gig comes along, when he's looking at who should I call to play, yeah. are they going to think of you if you didn't uh, deliver? I, you know, it's like the guys... That can—it's not enough just to play great. Nice. There's a lot of great players, especially in Los Angeles. But right. you gotta be a good hang. You gotta yeah. be prepared. You gotta have the right attitude. All right. those things are what. Um, the other things are the things that maybe aren't taught in music school or in private lessons. You know, they're life lessons, are. or yeah. your parents should have taught you these things, or good teachers, or something. You know, like
2: literally leave your ego at the door. And I think after you go through enough doors, you shouldn't have an ego anymore. Oh,
0: how about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the like, musicians who are an ego, dumbass, so comfortable right? with their own playing, they don't have to prove themselves every time they yes. sit down and play. There's something awesome about that. And I use awesome right. in, a, in the true sense of that word. Right. By, you know when you see a legend, and it's like, check that guy out. He's yes. There's no wonder he is who he is, because he's owning it. He's yes. just he's delivering on all fronts. he front
2: she they yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah. all right so all right so that's a great segue into resume yeah. and credits so you've played with the greats i know but you know tell the listeners who, yeah. who
0: aren't yeah well so work. it's interesting you know uh, the the career kind of sends you through different avenues you know i can remember playing with so many people early on and I would sort of get identified as my father's son in a lot of ways. That was maybe the downside of being having the advantage I had was especially my dad. early
2: on in your 20s I'm yeah. So, yeah
0: but but uh, what I wanted was uh, an accomplishment of my own, own you know what I mean So uh, through my dad, he was one of the first to hire Cheryl Crow so early in my career I got to work with Cheryl. you wow. know I would get these odd opportunities just to do things with Shaka Khan and then James Ingram Come and on. then um, I remember getting to play with Lee Rittenauer. Mm. who happened to have never heard of my dad but I didn't know this and then we that's were playing a, a big show and I invited my dad yeah. and after years of being introduced as Les Hooper's son I introduced my dad to Lee Rittenour who said, oh, you're Dave Hooper's dad Ah, and perfect. I, it, was, it was a moment Flipped It, it, it yeah. really was like the, the pivot or the, the, yeah. the, the, where it turned You know, there It's you like, go. okay Finally, you know, it wasn't just because of who I was that I was playing and getting opportunities and, and doing my thing. It was my playing, and that was it. You know, I knew Lee was hiring me be, for me, not That's for any man. other reason. So th- that was a milestone in my career, for sure. And then, um, you know, I got I have lately been doing tons of smooth jazz, which is... Um, an interesting format and what I do like about it is the musicians are featured you know it's you can love or hate smooth jazz the format the live show is a live show I would equate it more to instrumental pop music or instrumental R&B I agree, um, I agree. through all that working with Dave Cause a lot you know I've gotten a chance to work with Sheila E and uh, Larry Graham yeah, and played, you know I mean like yeah, I did a yeah, whole yeah. tour with Larry which was yeah, yeah. just you know I remember you called me about yeah. that you
2: tell me about that
0: that was yeah. one of those surreal moments where I can remember as a kid Kid playing practicing with headphones on um and of course you know that's a that's maybe a common thing and you're playing along you're trying to imitate the drummer on the recording or whatever and i found myself on stage playing with larry and i was the only drummer <laughs> it was like, oh, uh, it's just me. There's yeah. no, you know, that was a moment. I don't know if I'm no longer that, playing explaining along. With the that track,
2: way, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you were rehearsing with the track with the original drummer from the 70s. Well, yeah, 70s, or,
0: or, or just 70s. practicing in high school, like playing the Sly oh, and the Family right, Stone. Like right, right, I'm just right, playing right. songs, but learning right. grooves, there. and now there's Larry, the <laughs> legend. The like playing, oh, yeah. it was really great. It's you know, incredible. those legends uh, playing with Marcus Miller was incredible. Oh, just yeah, yeah, all all the records I used to play along with, and then getting a chance to play with him was really uh, some great stuff so nice. those are some of them yeah yeah that's that's my awesome. my laundry list Good. so yeah so um I had been playing around town doing some sessions and uh, I remember Tim Landers the bass player yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he called me up and he said so Chad Wackerman is leaving the John Tesh gig would you oh. like to do it so I think I was a little more stuck on the oh I get to follow Chad, Chad Wackerman, Wackerman on a gig was I mean, a drumming like, legend
2: right yeah and at yeah.
0: the time I didn't really even know John's Story, You know, I knew he played piano. Um, And wonderful band. I mean, it was really, really incredible. And at the time, John was hosting Entertainment Tonight. Right. And he was trying to launch his uh, music career. And then it got big enough for him to break his contract with E.T., and I think at the time, like Paramount was pursuing him, like they were. There were some yeah. legal battles, and I learned so much from John because he he would say, "This is awesome!" Like I'm like, "Wait, you're getting sued?" He's like, "No, no, no. This is great. I'm I'm the little guy, and the big movie studios coming after me." And he's like, "No." He was one of those all. Yeah. Uh, all publicity is good publicity, good or wow. bad or whatever. Which and I don't even remember the details yeah, of yeah, any of yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but it was. Um, it was really illuminating. I thought, wow, check out this guy. Like, he he's a, a businessman. He's won Emmy yeah, Awards see, as a broadcaster. That's what I'm saying. He's pursuing his dream to play yes. piano. He's surrounding himself yes. with great players. I had nothing but admiration the, the, for this, this guy. Saying,
2: that is the ultimate career musician right there. I mean, yeah. that's baller status yeah. for CMs, you know? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. All right. So so that's why I wanted you to tell that, you know? and yeah. But you had some really nice experiences working with him because oh, you yeah. told me about the story yeah
0: I mean he, he did these big uh, PBS specials he did this live at Red Rocks thing which was at the time the biggest um, concert ever um, done for PBS And he uh, mortgaged his house, or he put his house up against it, and we hired the uh, Utah, or the Colorado Symphony, and uh, we were there for a week rehearsing, and then we got, I don't know if you know Red Rocks, it's an open air thing, it was raining uh, while we were going to to film, and these orchestra players have these $100,000, 100000 plus violins, and they're like, no, no, we're not playing in the rain, and they just left. It was a crazy, awesome experience. And and talk about just being able to roll with the punches and deal with crazy that happens, you know. So John just said, all right, well, we're going to do some tunes that we can do without the orchestra, and we did. And then the skies cleared, and they came back, and the helicopters came in for all the aerial shots, and we ran this thing, and it was the biggest success at the time, this Live at Red Rocks thing with John. And, uh, I mean, it it really was... Gosh, I gotta rem- I gotta look up when this was. This okay. was a good long while ago. Okay. So it what might have been uh, in the early two thousands, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty early on, and uh, and then you know, John just being who he is, being a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, we I know we spent one summer on tour And Jay Leno at the time Had sent a, a camera crew out To interrupt his show every night <laughs> And then, like, he would break away At a John's concert And they had like this feud That's going awesome. on. I'm not sure that was a real feud But it was <laughs> How very awesome is that? So I was on The Tonight Show Every, every night <laughs> wow. It was just crazy stuff And, and really interesting to see Because I'm a drummer. I'm just, you know, I'm a yeah, side guy. Yeah. I'm just watching. Like, okay, where do you need me to play? What do you want me to play? And I was doing my part, but just watching the machinery uh, move, it was it was really, really cool to see. It's one of the perks so, of the job. Yeah, Come and on. that guy, I can remember, because uh, I got into computer stuff, we can get into that a little bit, but I remember showing John computer stuff, and I never had to show him anything twice. I mean, mm-hmm, talk right. about a brain that's very high-functioning, and, yeah. and his retention was really awesome. I mean... Yeah. You know, it's like That's he's a—he's a really interesting guy. I mean, I really That's owe a incredible. lot to him. It really sort of changed my life because it was—it uh, was the gig that was a, a ton of work, and I yeah. bought a house, and I—you know—it was yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. life-changing gig.
2: Well, check it out, my buddy, Hoop is a real tried-and-true career musician. I've worked with him alongside on countless gigs, and I've seen him in action. So everything he's saying here is really true. He lives it. Let's try to keep in mind the things he mentioned about resume building, about making things easier for the band leader or the MD, the music director. So whoever's in charge At that time, we want to make sure that we did our job to make it easier for them. This way, it's less stress for everybody. And although Hoop had a great upbringing with his dad and he had an advantage in the studio, he still understands the concept of hard work and always being prepared. And you've probably heard me say it before, but I'm going to say it again. The definition of luck is when preparedness meets opportunity.
0: Add the career musician to your playlist awesome awesome part of like the test gig was yeah, that's that what I'm because yeah, I, remember he, that. I mean he had the dough i mean yeah, he didn't even me. know what to pay everybody i mean yeah. he was such a <laughs> a lover of music but what he knew was broadcasting he didn't know the music right. industry right. Right. um which you know i mean i think there's a lot of stories of celebrities overpaying sure. everybody if you're lucky enough to be <laughs> yeah. the drummer for russell crowe or somebody you know like they the, you know they don't they don't know or they don't care no, or it's I think
2: paying well. I don't use I don't like the term overpaying. I think paying well, well you know, because I mean think about it. You yeah. Know? think about it. If you're Steve Ferroni and you've been playing with Tom Petty for thirty-five years, yeah. Whatever you're making you is well deserved. Yeah.
0: That you know? I feel like that's a really yeah. potentially a very long conversation. Yeah, like what is. Yeah. what is good pay? You right. know, considering the time you spend uh, continuing Ooh. to improve on your craft, unlike I mean, there's a lot of people who go to school and they learn their skill and then they just spend the rest of their life doing what they learned in school. Maybe we went to school, maybe we didn't. You know, everybody has a different path. But you're still learning on guitar. Oh. I'm still learning on drums. On guitar, uh, how we're not in, in our twenties anymore.
2: We're still learning in music in yeah. general, right? The yeah. overall and the niche, right? Yeah. So, and you're the person to have this conversation with because you and I <laughs> would sit here and have these philosophical debates for hours. Yeah. I, although we both usually were on the same side of the debate. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. so a physician, a surgeon, or you know, any kind of a doctor, is hailed in the community. Yeah. Quite, you know, in high regard,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I would say, because I kind of know a little bit about this, like, there is sort of um, a reward for continued medical education. Yes. That is encouraged, and you actually, there's actually a financial thing about that. I would say continued musical education, in our regard, is all up to us. It's the
2: opposite. (laughs) The more you study, the better you get in your musical craft.
0: Yeah. The
2: less popular you become. Yeah. And the less people want to listen <laughs> yeah. to your music. Yeah. Look at John Coltrane. You know, look at Miles Davis. Look at these greats. You know, yeah. so...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's... For the, you know, the... For instance, for jazz being the one true American art form, you right. know... Um, it's not really highly regarded. Um, it's It's not. no longer part of the Grammy Awards. It's not... Uh, in. If you look at the music industry from a financial standpoint, I'm not even sure it represents 1% of... Right. The music industry anymore, and yet, um, arguably, those are some of the best players. You have to ah. be in the top one percent to do it yeah. at the at the level that is considered right. to be great jazz. Uh, you know, and and you can look at other formats. You know, pop music, country music, and stuff. You know, it, that doesn't require uh, the same thing. Yeah, I, I would say that you you might put on put down all the elements that go into qualifications for doing a gig. Um, that really elite-level crazy uh, uh, technique and chops and ideas and creativity are not required uh, for anything maybe but jazz because it's... And you know it's a it's you're lucky to go see it in a smoky dive bar somewhere. Yeah. And those guys are making what's considered the door. No. Which is oh. you know I went well, to go see my buddy Gary Novak at the Big yeah. Potato oh, and gosh, yeah. you know they made the door. Yeah, I don't God. I didn't know exactly God. what it was, but I saw yeah. like a small pile of twenties, like it was well, like, like, you know. <laughs> like, let's <laughs> let's think about it. this. How
2: long how long is the standard in town fee for a gig? Been. On the low fifty, on the high a buck fifty,
0: yeah. meaning one hundred fifty. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Club let's, club so gigs. we're in let Let's say we're two two thousand twenty soon, right? Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: How long has that actual been the sta- Actually, been the standard pay well, since the eighties.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're touching on something that I've been recently sort of. Um, frustrated by You're so I did a gig years. at uh the Hyatt New porter it was this jazz gig okay. that has been around yeah. a long time and I, played there with, and I can with remember you. play yeah, yeah we've yeah. done we did it not that long ago but I did it with the Rippington's back in the day like around the time when we met yeah. right yeah and I remember what I got paid then and I remember the promoter at the time is still the guy promoting there and he happened to be at the gig when I was there, and this might have been a couple months ago, mm. and I pulled him aside, and I said, hey, man, I'm just curious. Am I making the same money tonight that I made 20 years ago here? And he just looked at me, and he said, yes, you are. Which, uh, you know, I want to say, like, uh, at the risk of sounding See, that, very discouraging to me. to yeah. like yeah. young players who yeah. want to break in, if you at all can kind of play it forward or do the math, you know, the cost of living has gone way up. The, the The pay on gigs has not. If anything, it's gone down. And the talent pool has just gotten bigger. So that's a discouraging Ooh, fact. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Those <laughs> three facts right started? there. Hey. Those three okay. facts.
2: No, let's read. Let's recap that. Yes. So <laughs> okay. Wow. The cost, <laughs> cost of, of, living of living has gone up. Absolutely. The the rate the pay for gigs has either stayed the same or gone down. Yeah, it has not gone up. The talent pool has increased yes. exponentially. Yeah. Those are three giant strikes against you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would say, so let's try to. Yeah, what is your psychological
2: uh, twist on this? Because I need to hear it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, (laughs) All right. Knowledge, so you go into that, uh, this idea that knowledge is power. If you do know this about the industry, mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of factors, I think, that you have to embody. And I think the primary is the absolute love and joy of playing yes. music. The passion. Uh, all my friends, like you and the mm-hmm. guys in my my peers, the guys at, yeah. in my age group, are... Um, it's easy to lose sight of the beginnings and like why you even wanted to take up guitar mm. who was it you know that that mm. gave it to you in the beginning this is a labor of love it is a passion it is something you didn't start out to do for the money no. Well, or at no. least I didn't. Well,
2: yeah. Uh, I know what you mean.
0: Okay, uh, as a side uh, man who as was, a you,
2: who was your first hero? Your first Probably Steve drummer, Gadd. Steve Gadd. My first hero was Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. When I saw Eddie and you saw Steve, yeah. We didn't think to ourselves, "Oh, we're going to be like them so we can make lots of money." That's not the first thought uh, I we had. I have no idea what they made. Exactly. So was too it, young, it was I didn't, too I didn't it care. wasn't even on the radar. Uh-huh. We fell in love with what they were doing, yeah, the, the music. passion of it. The, the music. music.
0: Yes. So you got to have that. And if you have that, none of those other facts they're not as depressing. No, it, it, they they it, won't bring you down as much. All right, so that's, um, what, and then the other the thing I would throw in there is if you know that, consider how truly great you need to be in all aspects, in all bullet points of the things that you want to yeah. endeavor to do. You, you're very organized with this all podcast. Right. And you have questions you want to ask, and it's like these are the things. Okay. So, figure out what those things are right. and excel at every one of them because just being a great player isn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everything else. And then, gosh, yes. I don't know what to say about your expectations. You know, I, I think that managing expectations has been the struggle, I think, of musicians from the beginning because if you that's feel it. like you deserve 10 times the money and 10 times the fame, you're just destined to jump off a
2: bridge. To fail. Drummers, So you're watching an amazing drummer on YouTube and they're playing something so crazy you just can't figure it out. If only you can tap this drummer on the shoulder and say, hey, can you slow it down and break it down for me, man? Possiblechops.com does exactly that. They've asked some of the -the top-of-the-line drummers to play in short, digestible phrases some of their craziest chops. Then they slow it down and transcribe it so you can actually learn what the heck they're doing. They're making chops possible. Now, possiblechops.com is an online drum lesson website that makes it easy to add to your drumming vocabulary from some of the baddest professional drummers. And when I say baddest, I mean the dopest, illest, most ridiculousest drummers you ever heard. Imagine getting a breakdown from drummers who played with the likes of Usher, Earth, Wind & Fire, Chick Korea, Babyface, Sheryl Crow, Tony Braxton, and the list goes on. The PossibleChops.com community is designed to allow drummers to share ideas and help you on your path to becoming a pro and getting gigs. That's right, folks, actually getting real gigs. If you're serious about drumming, do yourself a favor and visit PossibleChops.com. Join today, and basic membership is free. However... If you decide to upgrade to a pro membership, use the promo code NOMAD to get your first free month. That's right, folks. Use coupon code NOMAD and you get the whole first month absolutely free. Adding new chops are now made possible for drummers on PossibleChops.com.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? and, and you have to find a way to be happy with where you're at, at the moment.
2: And live in that moment.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very uh, in-the-moment experience, I think, music in so many ways. I mean, you can apply that to, um, I, I was thinking about this on the drive over here, you know, we love to talk, musicians love to talk, I, I've always loved our right. conversations because we get into the philosophical, yes. and we're concerned about all the psycholog- the psychological hurdles we have to that we're facing and and the trying to find solutions to all these things in order to get onto the stage and then wipe all of that away and just be in the music and, and have be- nothing in your head. Nothing. It's all just music coming out, which I find is so... Um, you know, it's like the musicians. Uh, it's it's our journey. It's, the musicians
2: cleanse. You have to cleanse every time you go up on stage. I mean, think yeah. about it. Your your wife and, and kid could be home struggling with some serious personal issues. Yeah. You just got the phone call. Yeah. But you and have they, to go on stage, you gotta stage you in You got to count off the first tune, and yeah. you got to be in it. And you got to, and you can't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, songs. You know, uh, life or death. You know, yeah. but um, yeah, some heavy stuff. I, that I
0: find that that's struggling. one of those universal things. I will say to all of my friends who are professional, you included. Like, um, and we've all been there. Like, where we've been on stage. Um, I think, gosh, I can't remember if we were on a TV show or we were doing something or whatever. We were like in between songs or whatever, and we're just talking, and we're talking about. Something totally unrelated. And I was like, and we're on in five. Uh, And it's like, all of a sudden you just turn around, you're like, one, two, three. And then, I mean, I I swear to you, it's as if, like, you just chopped, you know, yes. there's no transition time. Yes, yeah. you're jumping through these zones. It's turn yeah. it on, turn it off instantly, yeah. which is hard It's because I would say so, so much is tied to emotions here right. and everybody knows you can't just turn emotions on and off, but, you know, we've all been in an argument and then, like, the phone rings and you pick it up and you're like, hello? You know, band leaders have egos, musicians have egos, that's yes. a that's a, a tough thing to navigate and It um, comes with the territory. It, it does. I mean, you know, you want to be real, but at the same time, there's politics involved, and you have mm-hmm. to play the game. There's a little bit of a game. I. It's funny that we talk about these things. Uh, I get asked a lot about um, music school, um, and whether it's, like, a kid saying, man, I'm trying to figure out what school to go to. He's, like, at a gig, and it comes up, and he's asking me. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's, like, a parent saying, like, my kid's oh my just graduating high school next you. year, yeah, what do you think? and I, he's thinking about going to blah, blah, blah. So, okay, I think music schools are great, of course, but I what I in my experience I say
2: <laughs> I'm biting my knuckles over here. I know.
0: Go <laughs> to school and study business, or yes, philosophy, or say. something brainy, yes. and you can still take music, music. classes, still yes. take private lessons, do it as much as you can, yes. but musicians are notoriously terrible business people, um, all of the oh. troubles that we're talking about have so much to do with the business and the management or the mismanagement okay. of it, so... You just yes. said
2: something, musicians are notoriously bad business people. Yes. Question number 3 mm-hmm. um, career musician brief <laughs> what are some of your principles and methods now yeah we all know that principle principles do not change they're constant so what i mean by yeah. principle the law of gravity it doesn't change it's not going to ever change yeah. gravity you throw it up it comes down that's gravity that's a principle it's a law yeah. it's done
0: yeah. right
2: however there are methods of dealing with gravity yeah. that you can counteract it Right, yeah, and there's different methods that the astronauts have learned. Yeah, so what are some of your methods Mm. to deal with the tried and true principles of not only life, but really more specifically our business?
0: Yeah, because you
2: just said it. Mm -hmm. Musicians are notoriously bad at business. Yeah,
0: yeah. This
2: is the whole reason why I started the career musician musician podcast because I'm tired of dealing with musicians who think that they don't have to be business savvy. Yeah, yeah. It's a business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're a grown person. You still have to earn money
0: yeah. and provide for your You're family. You're a professional.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So talk about Okay, that. so I would say this is sort of the conversation that gave birth to the joke, how do you get a musician to complain? <laughs> Give him a gig. Give him a gig. Yeah. Yes. So, so... You know, you can always uh, pick away at something. You always find something to complain about. But the gigs will come, and how you deal with them and how you present yourself and what you say to the band leader and the arrangements you make with them are important. And um, there's probably a lot of questions for young players that are like, I don't even know what to ask, or I'm afraid mm-hmm. to ask. I don't know if it's fair for me to ask that. or right. um, And I also am somebody who probably in my life uh, suffered somewhat from not wanting to be the squeaky wheel Mm -hmm. you know like I I didn't want to I didn't want to ask questions but I would say this you know musicians, sidemen especially, there's no contracts there's no set anything hardly anything is in writing there's a level you know most of the artists get contracts some of the bigger tours though there'll be some stuff to sign but if you're just gigging um, it's a guy calling you. Can you do the gig on, you know, next Friday? It pays 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. And if you say yes and hang up the phone, okay. That's a <laughs> verbal contract. Yeah. The logistics were not discussed. The you know, the, there could be a lot of details in there that weren't disclosed. Now it's on you <laughs> to own Whatever it is, you know, and learn from it and just, you know, like, let's say, gosh, this just happened to me recently suddenly there's a rehearsal before a gig and it was never discussed and i'm like random well, wow. you know wait, like wait. you want me to drive where with my gear and set it up and i spend spending the day it's a weekend i'm spending away from my family like i have different absolutely uh, criteria that i'm well I right away we go
2: to our family time
0: we think wait so now it's
2: infringing upon i'm burning up. Personal my life. saturday to yeah.
0: go do music what? No. Yeah, no hard or not it's still yeah. it's my day
2: i have a wife and a kid man come on yeah yeah yeah
0: so i would say i mean i you know the the these sort of methods and principles and the routines you get into is figure out the details that are important to you and make sure you ask about them and don't be afraid to ask. It's professional, you know, like if a leader's trying to hide something from you, like extra uh, oh, by the way, the gig's eight hours instead of four. Or by the way, there's an eight-hour rehearsal before this gig that I'm not paying you for. Or you know, like whatever these ridiculous things that we've honestly been through. So the gig is sixty minutes. <laughs> yeah, but we have a twelve-hour
1: rehearsal. Yeah, and
0: yeah. you got to get there at seven and load in because there's guests and like, like all the. Yeah, but we don't go on until eleven. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know if I'm covering it well, but no, I, yeah, I I yeah. would say well, that like. Uh, you know, it's fair to ask how much does it pay? It, uh, you know, what's the gear, the load-in situation, yes. parking? What are the or, times? You know, yeah. if I'm there a long time, what's the food situation? Because right. like, not everybody can go all day without eating.
2: Some people are, are just prone to it, and I'm not.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, and, and that's yeah. not a, yeah. I'm not, it's yeah. not a dig. It's yeah. just, you know, I'm saying there, there's two, details to get through, and I would say that um, here's maybe a good way to look at it, like. Um, pick one of your heroes, yeah. somebody who's a legend. Yeah. You know they're asking these details. Right. If you're not asking the details, right. you're not not gonna sound like a pro on the phone. You're That's not right. gonna be you're not gonna sound like you've done this before. That's right.
2: What time does the gig start? Where is loading? What time is downbeat? What time is rehearsal? Where is rehearsal? What is parking like at the venue? Do I have to drive myself or is there a carpool, etc? You have to ask as many questions as possible. Is there per diem on this out of town gig? What other information do you need from me to book a flight? You have my legal name, my birthday, my passport, etc., etc. What is payroll like? Do you need my W nine, my I nine, my corporate information? Fill all this stuff out in advance. Have digital copies. Ask as many questions as you can. Have a checklist of questions you ask management and band leaders, etc. All of these things are what add up to equate what a true.
0: Career Career musician is. Add the career musician to your Spotify playlist today. Yeah, and if it's bad, own it, and then just don't make the same mistake again. You know, uh, and you okay. just elaborate on that. Well, you know, so um, for a long time, I've been doing uh, travel uh, gigs. You know, where it's like you fly out on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and then you know you got a few hours to chill, and then you go to soundcheck, you do the gig, you spend the night, you fly home the next day. I did one gig, and the band leader had decided that the bass player and I were to share a room. Now, <clears throat> okay, at the risk of sounding like a prima donna, like, I'm I'm past that. Like, I, that, yes. that might be cool for some people, and that's fine. It's just not for me. Yep. I didn't even think to ask because I presumed, presumed that like we're at a certain level now where at minimum I right. want one room at the Motel Six by myself or yep. wherever it is. Like I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't need to stay at the Ritz Carlton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just, whatever. As and, long as it's
2: clean and yeah, and yeah. well kept. Yeah. But
0: you'll still get uh, hit with it. You know, you're like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, shoot, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And uh, I think there's probably other parts that have to do with stuff we were talking about before, which is how. Um, how you treat leaders how you treat the mm-hmm. other people how you treat the crew that's there to help you you know there's a lot mm-hmm. of things um, you know all the heroes that I met that were took the time to stop and talk to me mm-hmm. I love those guys and I always uh, have no. do you know what I mean and you like when you see them again you just pull them aside I and just them, love that guy you. and somehow you like Thank his playing more that. yes he doesn't play any different yes and Wait. conversely yes the guy couldn't give you the time of day He's yeah. playing as much right. anymore yeah you yeah, can't yeah. play that good <laughs> <laughs> he's not that great um business you know you hear that phrase business is just business or business is business you know the the, the fact is it's music comes from your heart it's an emotional expression yeah wrapped in business <laughs> That's right. so you know you have to get the business done so that you can get to the business of the, just making music, yes. and it is complex. Maybe more so than many other um, industries. Industries, yeah. you know, it's yeah. harder to navigate because, you know, when someone says no, you're not playing it right. You know, it's hard not to interpret that as like I don't like you.
2: <laughs> well, and yeah, you know, I was just gonna say it's really because of the giant intangible in the room. Yeah. What's the giant intangible? The music that we're actually playing. Yeah. It's in ta- you can't touch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like an emotion you can't really explain without
2: it without without a product, without a visible product. No,
0: you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's so it's a it's an expression. It's this untold thing, and musicians deal at a level of subtlety that I think is lost on non-musicians. And I would say also, just as long as we're on this sort of principles and methods, yeah. Uh, no matter what you think, you are a salesman, and you are trying to monetize your product, which is your playing. And if you say you don't like sales, you're not gonna sell. And okay. and, and if you don't at least uh, figure out how to monetize yourself, okay. no one's gonna buy you. Musicians all of a sudden think yeah
2: that uh, they're no longer susceptible to the principles of the of of business.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, they don't have to adhere. Yeah. To it. How do you? Well, okay. So it seems somewhat random to uh, assign a value to it. You know, if you have a garage sale. You say, I'm selling that for $5. bucks. i am selling that for 10 Okay, so you're a player, and you're signing yourself this random, I'm worth this. This is my price. This is what you should buy me for. <laughs> right, right. And then the, the thing is, if it's a high price, then, then the question is why. Uh, uh, that's going to be the question to the person who wants to hire you. If mm-hmm. you say, oh, I'm double scale, and they say, well, I've never heard of you. <laughs> it's going to be a hard sell. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody, you're new. You're 18. How can you be double scale? <clears throat> I think it's, uh, there. you and I both run into players, and I, I'm not going to throw anyone no, no. under the bus here, but there are players who are awesome players, yeah. and they're broke, and they're just oh, not yeah. working, because yeah, they yeah, yeah. can't sell themselves, right. and vice versa. There's right. players who are actually okay. They're not... Right. Terrible. We about that. But they yeah. are so busy. And you're like, yeah. that guy's right. busy? Right. And, and and I don't want to begrudge anyone their success. If they figured it out, they figured it out. And yeah. good on them. Yeah. But uh, th- I think that's the lesson. That's how you... Hopefully that's the perspective that if you're listening to this and you're trying to make sense of it, uh, if you're both an incredible player and uh, able to promote yourself,
2: yeah,
0: you're going to be the next big guy. You're going to be... You're going to be hugely successful. <laughs> That's it. That's the magic formula. No, I no that,
2: is, that is the new business model. I
0: That's do want to offer one Please. perspective Please. of... <coughs> um, Excuse me. Let's see, some, some optimism or at least uh, something. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to yeah, yeah, credit yeah. Um, Will Farrell on... <laughs> Uh, I heard him on um, Mark Marin's podcast, the WTF podcast. I don't know if you listen to this or not, but if you've never heard of this podcast, that one episode is worth listening to because I think Will Ferrell is just hugely funny. He's awesome. And Mark Maron
2: is is hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah, really funny. And
0: I like that, not unlike what we're doing, it's a comedian uh, interviewing another comedian. Right. So it turns out Will Ferrell's dad was a jazz guitarist in Orange County.
2: Oh, that I didn't know.
0: Yeah. So he, and uh, the question kind of came to Will, like, you know, about advice, you know, did you ever get great advice or whatever? And he, and he said the, the most profound thing, or he told this story, which really stuck with me. So he said, um, his dad told him, he said, Will, if, if all this was about was you being funny and being talented as a comedian, I wouldn't worry a minute about you. You're my son, and I, wouldn't, I would have no worry. And he said, there's one thing I've learned about working in the music industry is that it's at least 50% luck, Mm. Right place at the right time, mm. the right person hearing yes. you. Yes. And so so get this. So Will's takeaway was I'm off. Like it, it got me off the hook. I'm like if I go to an audition and I fail and I don't uh, get it, it's not 100% because maybe, I wasn't good enough. There you go. I just was – I wasn't lucky. I wasn't the guy. Just – you know like there wasn't the guy they're just looking for at that time That's you know right. the style of you know you yeah. might lean towards this kind of playing and they're just looking for a guy who that leans That's that great. way or they want a taller guy or i don't know like, who knows what they're looking for That's anyway so i what i liked about that is it's like emotional uh freedom for musicians to continue to do what they do and not beat themselves up right. for all of their failures because right. it's gonna happen and it's you're not going to get all the gigs that you want. That's the, right. the, it, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's because you're terrible or you don't have what it takes. Wow.
1: Hey, folks. Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite.
2: We've got something pretty cool for you You're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
1: And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
2: Again, going back to the ego, it is so easily uh, bruised. Yeah. And because uh, for some reason music is viewed as a competitive sport oftentimes, (laughs) which it's not. Mm -mm. So I hate that. It's not athletics. It's totally different. No. Um, And
0: yet you are competing with other players that play your instrument. I
2: know. So it's bizarre. It's really weird. And then it's always a chops showcase. So who has the most chops wins? But ironically, who has the most chops wins, right? Out on the social platform, meaning life, the social platform of life in general. But on the actual gig, you can't use those oh, chops. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get fired. Yeah. You have to use restraint, exercise restraint. Yeah. So I'm uh, talking about the double ironies going yeah. on, right? <laughs> that is true.
0: <laughs> well, okay, but I think you're touching on this notion that, like I always tell people, practice the hard stuff. You know, the... The the better you are at the hard stuff, the more of a flow you'll get with the easy mm. stuff. You know, when someone just calls on you to play rhythm guitar, Ugh. it is always uh, to your advantage to practice the hardest stuff. You know, to really get the chops way up there. The exercising the restraint is where the art is. You know, it's That's like perfect. sure, I could play twice as many notes. I really could. I maybe even more. Right, but that's wow. not what the that's not what the song calls for. The band leader's going to hate me <laughs> if I Ryan. do that. He's definitely not going to call me again. And it's like, well, what's more important um. to you to make a statement on the one gig you get and never get again, or do you want to continue to work Dude. and be that guy? It's like, man, yeah. he can shred, but he just does the right just, thing. Right. I I, I yeah, marveled yeah. at that. That's These, it. That's it. As a drummer, you know, I know what. Vinnie Calyuta can do and I know what Steve Gadd and Dave Weckl and Dennis Chambers and like all my heroes I know what they can do and then to find they out they're on recordings we're like I didn't even know that was them, them. I'm wow. like that is so cool to me because it, it didn't call for that no I've played with Vinnie twice
2: in the David Foster band, yeah, and, and I was geeked out, you know.
0: Yeah, wow. Top show. All, All right, we're so, going so to get to so everything. Yeah,
2: I don't know. All right, real quick here, we're going to bust through these because these are easy. These are easy. Tour essentials when yes. you go on tour because we don't go on tour tour. We, we do weekend warriors, what we call. Yeah. Them. yeah. You leave on a Thursday, or Friday, you come home Saturday, Sunday. It's uh, quickies, you know. Yeah. So we we call them fly dates. We call yep. them you know a weekend run. You know a one off. Yeah. Uh, what are what are the essentials for you? <laughs> I know you and I are both. Uh, uh, Bag geeks, we love cool bags. A lot, most musicians are, <laughs> and we're all about how to pack
0: uh-huh. light. Yep,
2: and you know, you know. So talk about yeah, some yeah. of that quick stuff.
0: All right. Well, so uh, my goal is always to kind of be the low maintenance guy whenever yeah. possible. Um, and I would say after nine eleven, it got a little difficult to travel with symbols. You course. know, like bringing gear on a plane is always a, a challenge, especially yeah. for guitar players and horn players and stuff. But. So I suppose I'm lucky as a drummer, uh, <laughs> gear-wise. You don't
2: have to carry the drums. Yeah, I got
0: my stick bag. Sometimes just the sticks I know I need in my uh, in my so uh, little sets. carry bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times I'm called on to uh, run backing tracks, so I kind of have a, a, a bit of gear there to do that. Um, if there's charts involved, I always bring my iPad, and I've got a mount for that. And saying, then when it, it's closed, <laughs> man. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> you know, like... And, in and out, yeah. yeah, it out, yeah. I would, it's not that I wouldn't love to bring my snare drum, my bass drum pedal, my right, cymbals, right, right, right. and like my no, whole no, kit. No, I'd love no, to no. do that. But um, there is something nice about just rolling into the airport with just one... Right. In my backpack, and my little pull carry-on bag, whatever, right. and like that's it, and then yeah, right, I mean, uh, and then think about logistically what it takes. You got to get to the airport. You got to get through security. Yeah. You got to get to the gig. You know. You know. And then like, if you're the guy who can just throw all your stuff in the bag and you're out of there, that's, there's something nice about that. But then that also requires that you're cool with backlined gear. Like, yeah. I, I think drummers, yes. drummers, it's a, it's kind of a. We can't avoid it because no one's traveling with drum sets is. anymore. So yeah. you got to be playing through a different voice every time there. It's a different brand. It's a different, you know, as much as you put in your rider, yep. I play these drums and right. these, uh, you know, it might be just close. Close enough. So you're, you're a little more lucky, but I would say as a guitarist, you know, you're actually holding your instrument. Drums is just beating yeah. on things with sticks. So yeah,
2: I was one of those guys I never cared. I honestly don't care. <laughs> no. I could show up to a gig and be like, you know what, just backline a couple of guitars. What do you want? No I don't kidding? know. I don't know a, a Strat. You can make it work. A Tele. Well, what do you want? Be specific. I don't care. Most musicians are so, like, you know, anal retentive about all the little details and the minutiae. I really don't care. I I swear I
0: don't. I'll bet that that benefits you. And I would say to anybody who's getting into this, imagine both scenarios. One scenario where you demand to have all of your specific stuff. You're paying for extra baggage and, and trying to get that... Uh, reimbursed by the band leader and I had to check five bags because yeah. I have my stuff oh, man. versus the guy who goes with no check bags and like no I got it it's cool you know it's it's then a, a matter and if you nail the gig oh, either way either way and it's like, man, that guy came with his guitar and one little bag. Well, let me and tell you, he destroyed ex- the gig. It was but incredible. That's
2: exactly why I have this F- mo now, this philosophy, because I have been in that position, yeah. where I packed all my shit and it didn't show up. Yeah. So then I was stuck playing somebody else's guitar or yeah. a backline guitar. Yeah. With a one cable into the amp. Yeah. Or a cable into a dirt box into you the amp. Had to make it work. And you had to make it work. And when all the cats turn around and go, "Oh my God, dude, you just yeah. crushed that gig." yeah, yeah. then you're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Okay, so, but, yeah, so I think know. that's
0: an interesting to hear from guitarists too because I would say uh, just as it's important to learn country music, like if you're somebody who wants to learn all styles, yeah, of course, uh, and you could name them, there's a long list yeah. of styles. On the list of styles, I would say, add to that playing on some weird gear. Yeah, like it, it's as, mean, that's a great one. It should be as important on the list as, as the oh yeah, and fluidity. I can play a weird guitar.
2: That's right. Maybe
0: not a left hand guitar, but yeah. like you could be like, I don't care. The action's all messed up and it, it won't stay matter. in tune, but I'll I'll figure it out. You'll figure it out, and if you can do that and you're that guy, yeah. that gives you one more leg up that's on it. the competition and and that's something it. you can market. And monetize yourself for. That's right. I'm low maintenance. You know, you don't need to. I won't ever hit you with extra baggage fees. And I think
2: that's the key. When you're on tour, be low maintenance. Yeah, yeah. Just be low maintenance.
0: Yeah. Look, you
2: and I have been on quite a few gigs together. I'm going to tell a story about New York, but first, (laughs) I want (laughs) to hear your story. We were on a gig together. Yes, we were. And yeah, just talk about it because this relates to the question of when to say no thank you yeah, yeah or when to walk from a gig when to quit or when to part ways or how to do it you Yeah, know how, yeah, yeah. how to do it perhaps without burning the bridge all the way yeah or saying f it i'm gonna blow this bridge up yeah i don't know how, so yeah
0: let me let me also i want to preface this um with an experience i had so when i was in high school my dad used Peter Erskine on a recording session, okay. and Peter and I was in high school. I was Famed fifteen. Dad, he yeah. is incredible; one yeah. of my idols, right? Yeah. And I remember my dad sharing with me Peter saying, "This is what I'm going to need to do your recording session." And in my mind, I was like, "What? He needs all that stuff?" Because in my high school mind, brain, ah. I was like, "Gosh, you know, I kind of had that. Wow, what a prima yeah. donna! He needs yeah. this and that and right. this and that." Right. And then, but really, what it was was sort of respect for a career of playing with everyone from Stan Kenton to Weather Report to, like, this guy is a total legend. And he got himself to the point where he's busy enough, and if you want him, this is his rate. This is what he needs. And if you can't provide it, he's like, okay, no thanks. Like, it's not, um, I think, you know, we all uh, ask for what we can afford to ask for, right? Like, you can't, uh, you kind of have to bring it. Sure, um, anyway, I, I thought that was a pivotal moment for me, and uh, and it's interesting for it to have then come around to me. I was working for a leader who consistently would uh, impose too much inconvenience on the whole band, and the whole band was getting really dark. Uh, it was just getting like um, I can't. And I'll try to give you some examples. So, you know. I think we've all been in the situation where you take an early flight, you get to the hotel, and the hotel rooms aren't ready. They're not clean. Right. So you end up camping out in the, in the, the lobby, lobby, lobby. Or the coffee shop. Or, or they the say, other. oh, there's a mall. Don't
2: yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't want to go to the mall I I don't want to go work. to the mall. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I want to sleep. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, so, okay, there's a certain amount of inconvenience that mm-hmm. you need to be good with dealing with. But mm-hmm. this was too much. Um, and he wasn't paying, he was always asking for a discount, a discount. and always right, asking right, for, right. And, and I kind of think of him as one of those leaders who's a taker and wasn't appreciative and he was undeserving. I just, yeah. I, I was really not happy on the gig and I was fortunate enough where I didn't need it. Okay. So uh, what I support? did, I thought about just saying I'm out. That's so, so what I decided to do was I said, look, I, I was just really straight with him. I said, I've been doing your gig for a long time, and there's just been a a few things that are not working for me, Mm -hmm. so moving forward, this is what I'm going to need. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to do your gig if you can deliver on these things, Mm -hmm. and if not, no hard feelings, you know, and move on. And I I felt like...
2: You did this via email?
0: Uh, I did. Well, I I kind of, we talked about it a little, and I said, I'm going to send you an email so it's sort of in writing. Oh, I, I think the that's the good. email thing is like the paper trail. i know, you did both. Yeah, yeah, I was like, listen, yeah. I, I, I've got some issues, but I, I'm going to put it in an email, and I, I'm going to spell it out, just so yeah. that you, there's no question about, well, I didn't think you said that, or this or that, you know? Yeah. So I just spelled it out. Uh, it had to do with pay, and logistics, and flights, you know, I... I I don't know, you know, yeah, I, the details are not important. it was, just, it was yeah. just one of those things, and I will say, um, that was the last gig I did for him, but I don't miss it, it's all good, you know, okay, it's yeah, like yeah. I, I realized that's what works for me, mm-hmm. and, and maybe the takeaway now is just don't be afraid to figure out what it is that's going to work for you, because if, if something's going to make you that unhappy, you're not going to do a good job on I'm the gig bad. anyway. If you've enjoyed today's interview, be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the Career Musician Podcast.
2: Another aspect of Dave Hooper is quite interesting as he is a multi talented force. Dabbling in computer programming early on, he's actually made a whole nother career out of it. So now he does both. So he's a career musician and a computer programmer. And this just goes to show that you know what? Just because you're a musician, it doesn't mean you only have to do music. Diversification is key, right? We learn that in, in investing. So why not in the cultivation of your career? Diversify. And if you feel led to do something else other than music, there is nothing wrong with that. Please do not let anybody tell you there is. And do not let your peers and colleagues pressure you into thinking that you are not a pure musician. (laughs) That's a bunch of baloney. Thank you for tuning in. To help support this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, and of course, hit that big subscribe button. I love bringing you behind the scenes and sharing valuable insight from the world's leading experts in music and entertainment. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man, writing the songs in this one-man band, a nomad.